This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 80th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, here's the thing. I knew you were going to ask me that, um, and I didn't know what I was going to say to you. I was going to try to, you know, make up some elaborate response. I, I typically tell you that I'm great. I think I've told you that maybe 79 out of the previous 79 episodes, but... I, th- I think I'm still great today. Okay, that's good. I think I'm still great. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. And currently, neither one of us are sick. Currently. I was last week. That's true. Uh, Just regular old flu-like symptoms. That's true. We do have an empty chair in the room for uh, producer Cameron pouring out for him. Uh, he has been sick this week. Yeah. So it's going through the podcast. Yeah. But, but he is here. He's just watching from afar Yeah, to not infect us. Not circulate the germs in this tiny little recording space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we think he'll be okay, though. Uh, no, uh, no, test, no test has been administered at this point, but uh, he, he's on the mend and uh, looks like everything will be fine. That's great news. We do have a new uh, addition to the podcast, though, and that is Drew Locke has graced us with his appearance in the form of a bobblehead. And if you watched the episode last week you actually saw he was here last week and we just forgot to acknowledge him so sorry drew uh we are acknowledging you this week thank you for making it and we're very proud of first of all producer cameron for acquiring this because we actually went to the game last year where i guess it was two seasons ago now where they were uh handing those out i guess it was the homecoming game versus memphis yeah and we uh were not able to acquire one while we were there so it's yeah, always we didn't been... get there early enough to get one, and we were like scouring the seats for one that had been discarded <laughs> yeah. at the end of the game. But uh, souvenir cups, we could have got a, quite a few of those, but no bobblehead. Mm-hmm. I hope but... I, I hope I didn't call him Drew Smith earlier. I, I called him Drew Smith in my head, like just now. Uh, yeah, it's possible. I didn't notice. But... I would love to have a Drew Smith bobblehead as well, <laughs> <laughs> with like hair that bobbles. That'd be that would be, be really amazing. Cool. Uh, we'll talk about Drew Smith in a little bit. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about all the cancellations and things. <clears throat> Unfortunately, no Mizzou basketball game to talk about. But first, we do have some news. And because producer Cameron's not here, we don't get that nice little news jingle that uh, sometimes deafens us uh, through our headphones. But we will uh, persist. Uh, Kyle, you want to take it over and tell us our first news item? Yeah, we got some... Uh some pretty big commitments this past week. Uh, seems like just about everything in the sports world has come to a screeching halt, but yet the Missouri football recruiting marches on <laughs> somehow. So uh, this past week we got a commitment from Connor Tollison, who is an offensive tackle from Jackson, Missouri, and then Tyler Macon, who is a quarterback from East St. Louis. So I'll just, I guess I'll start out talking about Connor Tollison a little bit. Um, you know, he's a guy who you know, I j- just generally follow recruiting, and I've kind of had my eye on him for a while. It's a guy that would be amazing if he ended up at Missouri. Um, but in the last, you know, month, 
or so, he's started really gaining some serious interest from big-time programs that we typically don't win recruiting battles against. So, obviously, uh, Oklahoma and Alabama were two of those offers, and that's about as big as it gets, Um, especially for a guy from this part of the country. It's just so difficult to be out. Um, Oklahoma... um, and, you know, we've talked about committable offers um, on this podcast a lot. And I think, I don't know for sure about Alabama, but definitely uh, his offer was committable for Oklahoma. There was some recruiting analysts that were, you know, talking about how shocked they were on Twitter that he picked Missouri because they genuinely were like, okay, this is a guy we want. We typically go out and get whoever we want. Um, so that's pretty exciting to be able to beat out some big programs for guys that those big programs really want. What and was the name of the town he's from? Jackson, which is, I think in the Boot Hill. I think it's uh, Cape Girardeau area. But, yeah, he's uh, plays left tackle in high school. Great lateral quickness, great size. Um, I love offensive lineman commits just because, it, I don't know, it's just it's, it's exciting to be good in the trenches. Yeah. Just makes everything so much better and, make, and run better. Yeah, we've seen that the last mm, – seven or eight years the teams the mizzou teams that have the offensive and defensive lines to compete in the sec you know you're looking at eight plus wins in those seasons Mm -hmm. and when those when those players in the trenches falter then it's a disappointing season Mm -hmm. and a comparison that i can think of at least in the nfl was the 49ers this year i mean they just steamrolled everybody and and really until the super bowl just be and they didn't really have an immense amount of playmakers or, or crazy talent um outside of the trenches right george kittle but yeah. um aside from him you know just some overlooked running backs uh rookie wide receiver debo samuel some you know not necessarily big name receivers mm-hmm. uh emmanuel sanders coming off an of injury so right so you give your quarterback some time to throw the ball on offense and you get to the quarterback quickly on defense and all, you can go pretty far with just yeah. that and we've seen that for Mizzou teams I mean you talk about like the 2014 team mm-hmm. you know leading receiver was Bud Sasser we love Bud Sasser but he was not you know blowing anybody away until his senior year when he had over a thousand yards mm-hmm. and yeah Shane Ray and Marcus Golden on the outsides on that team and several NFL players on the yeah on the offensive side mm-hmm. so that's that's certainly exciting um next guy Tyler Macon which we he just committed yesterday uh, and I think we've known about him for, a f- you know, definitely a few weeks. I've known this guy is probably going to end up at Missouri. It's just a matter of when. Um, he's been very vocal on Twitter in support of of Mizzou, and um, so he is a pretty electric talent for sure. Uh, this past year, obviously, he still has a senior season to go. Uh, but last year, he, for his junior year, he threw for forty two hundred yards and thirty nine touchdowns on seventy percent completion rate. And then he added 820 yards on the ground with another 18 touchdowns. So that's 57 total touchdowns. That's incredible. That's Yeah, that's outrageous. Yeah. I, I'm seeing offers on 24-7 sports from Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, uh, Iowa State, Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You might wonder, you know, why the staggering numbers and not like why is this guy not being recruited by, by the big boys, I guess, uh, if you will. And I think my – what – if I had to give an explanation for that, he's not super tall. He's about six foot. Uh, he's 180. So, which actually, 
compares pretty close to like Russell Wilson. And I was actually going to get into that a little bit. I think his game kind of, and I'm not trying to say he's as good as Russell Wilson or will be that good or anything like that, but he's going to win the Super Bowl eventually. Yeah. His, his game kind of resembles that of Russell Wilson. Um, he wants to, you know, he's going to beat you through the air first, but he can definitely keep plays alive and, and scramble pretty well. Um, but where was I going with that? Oh yeah. I, I think he's a little bit undersized. And then another reason why he probably doesn't have a ton of big time offers is because uh, he has two wide receivers on his high school team that are both like division one recruits, uh, Dominic Lovett and Keontas Lewis. So there may be a little bit of, uh, I don't know. Can you, can you put up these numbers with, with an average high school team around you? We don't really know, but I'm not too worried about that. I, I've watched his film. I, I really think that he's a big time player. I'm excited to see what he might do at Missouri. Yeah, I was trying to look up these uh, wide receivers. The Dominic Lovett, he is a four-star, um, like 250th in the nation, fourth in the state of Illinois. So maybe uh, his teammate uh, coming to Missouri, maybe, uh, you know, that piques his interest a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's very possible that uh, we could get uh, one or two of those wide receivers to, to follow him, but... You know, his film is interesting because they kind of broke it down into like intermediate passes and, um, you know, scrambling throws and, and long passes, which he really can do all of them very well. Um, he kind of throws the ball out in front of the receiver a lot. He, I feel like he really understands like where to put the ball when the, when the wide receiver's on the run. Uh, he was throwing some beautiful slant passes that, of course, his very good wide receivers were normally taking all the way to the house. But <clears throat> so that might explain some of those big numbers and the really high completion rate. Um, but I think the, some of the most impressive things he did were just the throws he made on the run. Just really strong arm, can throw the ball really far downfield and accurately just while running at full speed. If you get excited for offensive line recruits, you got to – is that is that just like a sliding scale? You get that much more excited for a quarterback commit or – you just you just really are into the offensive line commits. I think that there's a part of me that when we get a a quarterback commit, it's exciting because that player can be a leader in a class um, when they get to the Missouri or even before and kind of just be a, a leader in the recruiting game and get other guys on board and stuff like that. I think, but there's also the realistic part of me that knows that there's a pretty good chance they may not make much of an impact at any point because um, only one guy can play quarterback. Right. So when you get an offensive line commit, you know you're going to probably see him on the field at some point making a difference. Um, quarterback, not so much. Quarterback commits excite me because it's just you like to have several options. I mean, you don't want to be in a situation where you have one guy because the others, you know, you just missed on a few guys. So you've got one guy that's all riding on him to be successful. And maybe you have like a like a JUCO transfer or somebody else like to to be the backup, but uh, Missouri's been in a pretty good situation the last few years where they've got the clear-cut starter and then pretty much the clear-cut backup and then a few younger guys waiting in the wings. So if they can continue that trajectory, I'll be pretty happy. And it always helps having those young guys in the fold to, you know, obviously not all of them are going to spend four years at Missouri, but, you know, if one of them can latch on and be the leader for four for three or four seasons and mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for yep so now i mean we're looking at a pretty pretty impressive class so far especially this very early, early. Yeah. yeah i mean 
again, very early, but at this point in time, Missouri has the 25th ranked class in the nation. Uh, that is higher than <clears throat> the the area that Missouri typically lives, and at least with finished classes, I, I would say they've in some of their best recruiting years. They're in the the 30 range, 30 to 40. Typically, they're probably in the 40 to 50 range, at least the last couple of years. But and that equals like. 12th to 14th in the sec yeah like every single year so i mean i guess that's a little bit exciting um it seems like we're actually getting kind of that new coach bump in recruiting a little bit but i I truly think that it's not just a new coach i really think that coach drinkwitz is doing a really good job he's being very aggressive and getting guys on board early yeah you'd like to think if this was even if this was year four that this type of stuff would still be happening sure so you know we'll, we'll see how it turns out um i would say in all of Barry Odom's years at this point in the season and obviously the signing day moving up, you know, a, a couple months changes, everything changes the whole cycle. But at this t- point last year, I don't, I think we only had maybe one or two guys. I feel like a lot of our recruits came in June or our commitments came in June, but you know, it's a long time to hold on to guys. We That's what I was going to say. Have the whole summer to go. We still have all of Mizzou's football season, all of their senior season to go. And then several months after that, um, to get to signing day, but almost a year, you could say almost a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of, th- there are a lot of things we have to get through, but you know, I, I feel pretty good about at least these four guys. I think these guys are, are that, that we currently have are in it for the long haul. Are there, I think three of the four are pretty, pretty local. Uh, the fourth that isn't is from Tennessee. So, which is still fairly close geographically, I guess. So. I feel really good about the class. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you just touched on it, but it always does worry me a little bit when guys get on board early um, that, you know, just some bigger names are going to come calling. And uh, what was the quarterback that ended up at Texas A&M? Uh, that's like the... James Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the poster child, I feel like, for Mizzou fans at least, of like getting a guy, a, a guy that excites you on board early and mm-hmm. then just being like well that was obviously a waste of time yeah i i think the difference uh with some of these guys is the big boys have already come calling for some of them and uh they already chose missouri uh honestly at this point if tyler macon's not getting offers he's doing everything he literally possibly can to to help his team win and put up incredible numbers if the if the bigger schools haven't come knocking at this point they probably won't because i don't know that he could have a better senior year than he did his junior year. right and those two receivers are juniors as well so mm-hmm. they'll be back next year so that uh, you know, the issue of him having too many weapons in some people's eyes is not going to go away. True. Love it. Love a good, uh, early, good start to the early recruiting class. Yeah. We'll see if that's a major cold take like eight months from now. No, there's no way. (laughs) Uh, you want to stick with football and talk about the pro days, college pro days? Yeah. So, like I said, pretty much everything in the sports world is coming to a screeching halt uh, professionally and uh, college sports. So it looks like there's a lot of pro days that are probably not going to happen now. So that's going to probably affect the NFL draft, which happens in April quite a bit as far as the kind of player that gets drafted. I think that we might see less smaller school guys get drafted this year just because there's going to be less access. Obviously, a lot of those guys get really discovered at this point in the process where they have the pro days you know the scouts can come to their school and see them work out um interview them interview them that's probably not going to happen now uh or a lot less than it normally would 
So that that probably means more like high profile school type of guys that might go later or undrafted might have a shot to get drafted now. So a player like Kelly Bryant, uh, who was at the combine, you know, we know a lot about Bryant. We've seen him play in college for multiple years. He was at the combine, high profile guy at Clemson. Mm -hmm. He's a guy I don't think normally would be drafted. I still probably don't think he's going to be drafted, but he might, this might help his draft stock. Um, just because we know who he is. It hurts a guy potentially like Colon Castillo because he did not have a good combine showing because he got hurt and he was probably going to have a better showing at the pro day, uh, Mizzou's pro day. And now he probably won't have that, that chance. Yeah. So guys that maybe got invited to the combine because of their notoriety in college football, maybe have a leg up in the process on some of the guys that just got overlooked in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what do you think we should talk about next? The, uh, SEC, the all SEC basketball team. Yeah. So the all SEC basketball teams were announced. I'll run through it real quick. No, not the preseason teams. (laughs) Oh, it's actually kind of hard to find it because every article is about cancellations. Okay, first team, All-SEC, uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., Mason Jones, Samir Doughty, Keontae Johnson, Emmanuel Quickly, Nick Richards, Skylar Mays, Brian Tyree, and Reggie Perry. Yeah, I have absolutely no disagreements with that list at all. No. Uh, somebody, I mean, there's arguments to be made, I guess, for a couple players, but I don't see I mean, if you have that many players on your <laughs> first team, uh, that, that seems like a good list to me. Uh, second team, All-SEC, John Petty Jr., Isaac Okoro, Kerry Blackshear, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Maxey, Mike Kotsar, John Fulkerson, Sabin Lee. Uh, a few more deep cuts there as far as um, SEC, you know, fans of individual SEC teams might not know some of these guys as well. Uh, John Fulkerson, Saban Lee. Saban Lee had a, I think he had a first team all SEC season, but when you play for a last place Vanderbilt and win one, did they win one conference game or two? I think two. Yeah. You're just probably not going to make same with, uh, Anthony Edwards when you're bottom four team, it just doesn't really help. Uh, all freshman team, Jaden Shackelford, Isaac Okoro, Scotty Lewis, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Maxey, Trendon Watford, Jermaine Cuisinard, Scotty Pippen Jr. And That's, then, uh, yeah, Scotty Pippen's son. Did you know that? Oh, really? Man, I wonder if he ever attends games. Mm, I think so. Probably. Uh, I don't ahead. think that. I, I think that you could maybe make a case for Drew Smith to be second team. Um, oh, I'm gonna make it. Okay, let's. We'll hear that in a second. Uh, definitely, and we'll talk about all, all defensive team. Definitely, I think he should have been there. All defensive team: Herbert Jones, Isaac Okoro, Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards, and Eve Pons. So you you think that he is uh, second team? Let's let's hear why. Well, shout out to R.J. Layton, uh, communications guy for Mizzou basketball. He kind of made the case on Twitter. Uh, the big thing that stuck out to me is. 
Drew Smith's ability to impact the game in so many different ways, uh, stuff the stat sheet, if you will. Um, he had, first of all, he led the SEC with 64 steals. So when you're looking at all defensive team, then I think that should go a long way. Uh, but overall, like his rounded out game, 64 steals, uh, 390 points, 130 rebounds, 120 assists. Since 2009, there have been two other SEC players to hit all of those marks in all of those categories. Their names are Ben Simmons and John Wall. It's pretty good company. That is elite company. And you could say that that's kind of like cherry picking numbers, but when it's that many categories and the numbers are that high in all of them, mm-hmm. now perhaps, I didn't do the research, but this goes back to 2009, Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe in like 2005 to 2008, there was like five other guys that did that, but, and it wouldn't have looked as impressive, but I think still that's last uh, over 10 years. And, you know, Ben Simmons and John Wall are the only kind of guys to have that well-rounded of a season and impact the game in that many different ways. I can get behind that. Um, Again, this, uh, this info came from RJ Layton on Twitter, but uh, just to kind of drive the point home even more, uh, he absolutely should have been part of the all SEC defensive team. Uh, wh- player A, which I'm actually not 100% sure who this is, but uh, RJ Layton listed this. Player A in league play uh, had 16 steals, which is about 1.6.8 steals a game. Uh, he was Whoever this player is was on the all SEC defensive team. Drew Smith in league play, 39 steals, which is averaging almost four steals a game in league play uh, which is about double or more than double the amount that player a had and he obviously received no recognition whatsoever so um it's it's possible it's possible that player a was isaac okoro and he did miss some games because of injury um so that would contribute to that a little bit um i think if it is nick richards then that's not a great comparison because he's more of a rim protector Mm -hmm. whatever player this is i left this off because it was fairly similar but player a did have a few more blocks per game it wasn't a whole lot more Mm. so i guess that could have been potentially nick richards i don't know you'd think you'd have a lot more blocks per game uh yeah drew smith i mean i'm so happy that he has a second year in columbia Mm -hmm. coming but I also wish he had had the two previous years in Columbia as well. And I don't know. It's just, I think about the different transfers that we have had over the years, like Cassius Robertson, um, going back to like Jabari Brown, uh, Jordan Clarkson. And you just think about how successful some of those guys were at Missouri. And you just wish they could have maximized their time for sure in Columbia. Do we have a unrealistic view of how helpful transfers can be because of the transfer the quality of transfer we've had in the last few years i feel like we've gotten more out of our transfers than a typical a typical team would well i think if they don't work out and they just kind of sit on the bench then you just kind of forget about them Mm -hmm. so in recent years i'm thinking about uh uh the guy that transferred in from uh, uh university of illinois chicago he was on the team last year, didn't play. We thought he was going to be really good. He's like a 6'8 forward. Uh, so many listeners are like yelling. He was on the team last year? Yeah, he just didn't play. 
He played like sparingly. Well, this is driving home your point that they are <laughs> easily forgettable. <laughs> so easily forgettable. Yeah. I, oh I don't gosh. even have any idea who you're talking about. All right. We'll put that on hold for a sec. Um, we talk about going back a little bit further, guys like Deuce Bellow. That's who I was thinking. Um, Keanu Post. Mm-hmm. You know, when, and he even showed a few he flashes. Mildly impactful at times. Yeah. Um, I can picture this guy even. Uh, but yeah, when they don't work out and they just kind of just don't do anything, then you just forget about them and you, That's true. it's like it never even happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it does work out, everybody's talking about it. The coaches yeah. are talking about it in interviews. The media is bringing it up every single game, you know, where this guy played last year and how he was like a diamond in the rough sort of thing. Or he didn't work out at the previous stop and now he's blossoming in his new home. Right. I, I think that makes the case for why we should be on board with players wanting to look elsewhere like sometimes i think it's so uh demonized almost when a player wants to transfer uh, because they should have made the, the right choice the first time around well sometimes you just don't you aren't able to see what a situation is going to be like fully before you get there and it's totally reasonable that you could not be successful somewhere and then go somewhere else and it'd be a better fit for you and you do really well and we've seen that with so many guys in football and in basketball but you're making some faces over there like you're you're in disbelief that we couldn't think of who it was or something well i'm a little confused now because he's not listed on the official roster (laughs) and i know he existed and i'm telling you many listeners are have already thought of it immediately oh maybe (laughs) yeah it's it's not that deep of a cut i just can't think of it and his name. Are you sure it was last year? No. Yes, I'm sure. Oh. KJ Santos. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was a guy that we just kept looking for to do something as a transfer. You know, he was going to be one of those diamond in the rough type guys. And, you know, overlooked when he was a high school recruit because of injury. And then just nothing ever happened. And he just transferred away quietly. How could we have not thought of that? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, Ken Palm classifies him as nearly invisible last year <laughs> i mean he was yeah. did uh did drew smith live up to your expectations of what he what you thought he would be this year on an individual performance level absolutely uh the lack of success overall for the team diminishes diminishes it a little bit but you know you kind of envisioned him leading the team to the ncaa tournament you know early preseason early season talks and obviously that didn't happen um but i think about him playing through obvious ankle injuries Mm -hmm. um during sec play Mm -hmm. when other players were out hurt and we absolutely couldn't afford to lose another starter to injury or we would not have won any games and that he played played a ton of minutes at an incredibly high level and I was a little bit critical of him at some points in the season, you know, wishing that he would pull the trigger on more shots. And that's something he did do a little bit later into SEC play when it became absolutely apparent that that was necessary. Yeah, I don't... First year in the program, like actually playing in games, I don't think there's a whole lot I could have asked for Yeah, more. I, I agree. I don't think there's much more he could have done on an, on an individual level. Um, if, if Drew Smith and Xavier Penson played at the level that they played in the last i don't know 10 percent of the season 
Uh, if they played like that all season, would have would Missouri have made the NCAA tournament if it existed? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But I think they could have been a bubble team like Mississippi State and Arkansas. I think they could have been right behind them. I think maybe they could have had the season record-wise that Texas A&M did, but had a higher, you know, net rating, Ken Palm rating, all that stuff because of where they started the season. Um, I think Texas A&M was kind of one of the biggest anomalies I've seen with Ken Palm and the other rating sites that that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm that they were ranked 130th at the end of the season but had a winning record and were 10 and 8 in conference play. Yeah, normally I don't I'm not one to question the you know Ken Palm or other statistical uh websites like that. I, I feel like I, I trust them pretty fully, but I I mean just going off of strictly wins losses the I test Texas A&M's not the 130th best team in the country and it's probably not close. And, you know, they, they started off the season that that poorly, I think. They were probably that bad. But the team they are now is nowhere even close to what they were in the non-conference. And I'm sure a lot of that's coaching. Yeah, well, what happened with Texas A&M was they were actually top 60 in Ken Palm preseason. Then they lost to 110 Harvard, 115 Temple, 301 Fairfield, and 61 Texas. Their rating dropped from 82 to uh, about 140 in that four-game losing streak, and then they almost lost to Texas A&M Corpus Christi at home. They won that by three, Mm -hmm. so their rating dropped another 20 points even with that win. And then even though they won 10 SEC games, I mean, Ken Palm is a predictive tool, but it it did not predict Texas A&M to win, you know, very many conference games at all like yeah three or four yeah the, the predictive metrics basically had their season flipped from what actually happened in the results yeah yeah i agree that they had one of the strangest seasons of any team i can remember in a long time i can't remember how we got talking about this i can't either we we're talking about uh oh uh drew smith and xavier pinson playing you know up to their potential kind of how they did the last maybe uh quarter of the season yeah, I think record-wise, we'd have been looking at a season similar to Texas A&M. Maybe, maybe conference record-wise, so you're looking at maybe 20 wins, 10 in conference. That's kind of what it, they were on pace for mm-hmm. after the non-conference. You got to think if the way they were able, the way those two players were able to kind of take over games a little bit, you got to think they'd be able to do something again in the Charleston Southern game. I can't even remember what exactly went wrong in that game because it was a while back, and I've tried to erase it from memory. But yeah, couldn't hit a shot. Um, that was the that was the undoing of any. I mean, I think we said it at the time. Like this is too early to really be saying this, but that is going to keep you out of the NCAA tournament. Yes, yeah, statistically, it did not rule them out. But when you know you have humans like making the decision on on what teams get in, I I think that eliminated them. Yeah. Well, and. If, they're, if they were on the bubble at all, yeah. it eliminated them. And if you compare, not very many teams are going to have a loss that bad that are on the bubble. So mm-hmm. if you're comparing to the Mississippi State's, Arkansas's of the world, 
that that rightfully would eliminate you mm-hmm. in unless my you're opinion. kentucky and you lost to evansville well <laughs> <laughs> but point they, well taken i understand yeah, completely. They, they did enough i mean that's that, that, that was that's the weirdest thing i don't know that's one of the weirder things you will ever see as well in, uh, agree along with texas a&m's weird season i think that um i guess shifting to just march madness talk in general obviously it's a great event i'm super bummed that i mean both the the conference tournament and march madness both the ncaa tournament are not going to exist um i think that i was especially excited this year just because there wasn't one dominant team i really felt like there were so many teams that could make a run or could even potentially win a title um there wasn't as much like nba star power i guess in this uh tournament as probably as previous years um we're in a very interesting period of, of time right now with uh just what what do we do to like combat the coronavirus and well, you know what can we do to do our part to make sure that it doesn't continue to spread and get worse and you know we're kind of right in the thick of it right now i don't know if uh it's going to get better or if it's going to get worse i don't i like literally nobody has any idea what's going to happen because we've never really seen anything like this in like modern day um it's it's unfortunate but i think what happened uh probably had to happen um for the safety of the people in the country and just for the individual public relations of (laughs) these companies and and universities involved yeah so there's such a weird couple days there where um the ncaa tournament was preparing to be played without fans well even before that the state of ohio came out and said any ncaa tournament games and that includes the first four games the play-in games that we're going to take place in Ohio, we're going to be played without fans. Regardless of what uh, the state of Ohio basically said, we don't care what the NCAA says, there will be no fans at these games. And already a couple like smaller conferences, well, the Ivy League came out first and canceled their conference tournament and just declared the regular season champion, they're going to get the automatic bid. Which at the time was met with some resistance and understandably... Uh, everyone was like, "Man, these guys are soft." That was that was seen as pretty extreme. A player at that point. for Harvard came out and understandably like made a public statement that he was that this was the wrong decision, and it it did seem like just kind of like extreme, like all of a sudden, just like we're going to completely abandon the entire tournament and we're going to do something that's probably never been done, where we're just going to send a regular season champion. Um, that was, I think, Tuesday of this week. Today is Saturday. Yeah. Uh, that that was a few days ago, and th- that which honestly wasn't that long ago, right. but at the time that was the first major thing that had happened. Feels and like a long time ago. It does feel like <laughs> a long time ago. And, and looking back, they were ahead of the curve. Yeah, and they probably look like they the geniuses they probably are for being the first one to kind of say we just need to shut this down. So then on Wednesday, I think it was announced that. Rudy Gobert of the NBA's Utah Jazz had tested positive and the NBA was kind of freaking out there for a couple hours. Like games were being played, game players were being taken off the court, uh, games were just being suspended mid game. And uh, 
I saw one interesting thing that the Atlanta Hawks game was continuing, but word had gotten around. So like mid in the middle of their game, the NBA announced that the season was being suspended. This all happened like within a few hours, Wednesday evening. Yeah. That- Rudy, it was announced that Rudy Gobert tested positive. Then not very long after the NBA came out and said, Whole yes, this is the case. The season is suspended. Yeah. And the Atlanta Hawks were mid game. I can't remember who they were playing. And they kind of realized, oh, wow, this is the end of the season. And if anybody doesn't know, they have Vince Carter on their team who had already announced this was going to be his last season. He's like 90 years old and um, (laughs) has played for a really long time. And so they subbed him in to get one last shot and he made a three. It was kind of a heartwarming thing. And he was emotional after the game because that'd be so weird to know this is your last season and you're just going into a game like any other game, and then all of a sudden, oh, this is the last time I'm going to be playing basketball yeah. professionally. Yeah, last game ever right now. So weird. All Not- of a sudden, mid-game, you realize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it, it was so wild, just uh, the few hours on Wednesday night where I think like the first big thing I saw was like Tom Hanks was, got, right. was uh, right. tested positive. Yeah. And then Rudy Gobert was just a, man, a few minutes after that, and then literally within probably an hour of that news, NBA season, just over. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably one of the wildest just a couple of hours of this whole week <clears throat> was Wednesday evening. And so now you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, you got all these like SEC, uh, all these like conference tournaments that are like, okay, we're going to play without fans, but I guess we'll go ahead and play the games. And so the games on Wednesday happen. There's fans in the stadium. With fans, yeah. Yeah. Thursday, I don't think any of the SEC games had started, but there were a couple of conference games that started, I think, Creighton and St. John's like ended their game at halftime and just like, okay, this is all happening. And like, we can't even to the point where we're not, we're not even going to continue this game. It's just stop right now. And uh, we're, the, the tournament's over. Yeah. Even the games that were being played without fans, they were just stopped. And the SEC was planning on moving forward without fans mm-hmm. for Thursday's games. Uh, I think, I can't remember who, but a, f- a few teams were like out on the court, you know, shooting around yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, I think Missouri had like a small practice on Wednesday yeah. or Thursday. On Thursday, yeah. And all the normal social media stuff was going out, like, you know, get ready for the game, you know, last chance to show what you got or something like that. And then it was just like, nope, not happening. Yeah, the, the period of time in which we thought that the games were going to be playing without fans was, and this goes for the NCAA tournament, was very short. Uh, I mean, the NCAA tournament, I think, said, like, Wednesday, we're going to play without fans, and then Thursday, it's over completely. Um, So it just, it all happened so remarkably fast. Not only did the NCAA cancel the men's and women's NCAA tournament, they also suspended, or no, they flat out canceled the championships for the spring sports. So we're talking about baseball, softball, and correct me if I'm wrong, but these championships would have been played in, like, May? I think the College World Series is in June. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that seems like uh, a little extreme. We're finding out now that that was that the conferences were completely blindsided by that announcement. Yeah. And I think I even, I probably shouldn't even go into this because I'm not 100% sure what conference it was, but I think there was a conference that kind of walked it back a little bit at some point and walked something back or in a statement um, but yeah, they were blindsided. Uh, seems like a really, really long way out to be making the call on, on some of that stuff. 
so then the NCAA come and they I think received a little bit of heat, but it was probably kind of under the radar because nobody wanted to be the guy who's mad about canceling events. So they probably received a little bit of heat under the radar from maybe some of the conference officials and stuff like that. So and publicly on Twitter, people feeling bad, understandably for the athletes that you know we're going to miss their senior season. Uh, so the NCAA came out and said that they would grant waivers to all the seniors in spring sports so that they would have automatically have another year of eligibility. So that's good on the NCAA. It kind of... You know they only did it because they're getting heat. Right. <laughs> but it kind of throws a weird situation at individual teams and programs because... Now, keep in mind, this is spring sports. We're not talking about basketball yet. Um you have are they going to change the scholarship yeah. restrictions like scholarship this, planning is all yeah, out of this whack this will affect the juniors and seniors that are being recruited to these programs if their spot is being taken up by a guy who is coming back for a fifth year i can't imagine they'll have to do something about the scholarships and grant teams the ability to these seniors that are coming back they can't count against the scholarship totals yeah but then how does that affect, you know, a recruit who is expecting this kind of playing time because yeah. of the seniors that were leaving? It's just... It changes everything. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Are you suggesting that the NCAA made a rash decision without thinking through the consequences? Yeah, they, they're kind of a reactionary uh, institution. They kind of are known to just make decisions based on uh, pressure and after... The, after uh, yeah, reactionary. Yet, yet they they're, still took like eight months to make a decision on Missouri's case. Yeah, they're not <clears throat> to only upheld it, uphold it. Yeah, they're not the most proactive uh, group of people over there at the NCAA offices. So, doesn't really surprise me too much. It will be interesting to see what is done about basketball, though, because it's obviously a more high-profile sport. The NCAA tournament is one of the most high-profile sporting events in the world, and. You've got seniors on, I think, about a team like Dayton with the one of the, with the the best player that they've ever had. Sorry, Dayton fan, if I'm forgetting somebody from the 1950s, but best <laughs> player they've ever had in their program. And his name's Obi Toppin. That's the coolest name ever. Seriously. And best team they will probably ever have. I mean, yeah. they were going to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. If I was a Mizzou fan, if I, as a Mizzou fan, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen to us, honestly. Yeah, as a Mizzou fan, if my if the Tigers got a one seed in the NCAA tournament, I would be so conflicted right now and just like in such disbelief and so. I would be so sad. Yes, if you're a Dayton fan right now, holy crap, that's awful. Yeah. Reed Nico gets to end his career on a win, however. Yeah, I saw that. Like first player since like 1993 or somebody yeah. or something that was able to do that. Must have won a won the I don't know won the CBI or something back then. <laughs> Maybe I don't remember. I feel like I would know if they won the NIT. I don't know how. Yeah, you would have had to win some weird postseason tournament yeah. or something. Maybe they won the NIT. That's a little before I was paying attention to them. Yeah, I think it was 97. Oh, I don't know. I something don't. like that. A while ago yeah um now uh the cancellations don't end with basketball though the spring 
practices, including the spring game for Mizzou football, have been canceled or postponed or whatever you want to call it. And I think it's interesting. You you do kind of want to take note of the wording that places are using. Like the NBA season was suspended. So in theory, they could pick up where they left off. I think they will, actually. The NCAA tournament was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> There's no picking up that whatsoever. Right. Now, a, go ahead. I was going to say that the, I think the the scheduling is a little more strict probably with college sports because of some of the the scholarship planning and all that stuff comes into play when in professional sports may not be it might be a little bit looser and the season's longer too so they were gonna they were planning to play through the summer anyway uh if they're in the playoffs so did you see that the ncaa was considering a 16 team tournament only at large bids they were not going to take into account any uh automatic qualifiers that would have been and so interesting. And teams, the timeline. Yeah, if any teams didn't want to be in it, they would just like go to the next seed yeah. or whatever. And the timeline of that was going to be insane. Yeah. It was going to be over in one weekend. Yeah. It was going to be like five days. And there were special precautions taken that if BYU was in it and made it to Sunday, then they were going to postpone the games that were going to be played there and play them on Monday. Yeah. That is an interesting wrinkle just in general if BYU ever makes the tournament. They have to like plan every game out all the way to probably to the championship that they could never play on a Sunday. Right. But yeah, that would have been wild. Like that would have been fun. I, I probably would have been all, in all of favor yeah. for that. That Yeah, that would have been insane. Just the regular NCAA tournament was going to be crazy, but taking 16 teams and doing it in one four or five day period, mm-hmm. that would have been nuts. I already feel like I was like starved for the NCAA tournament. So by this time next year, I'm going to be like dying i'm gonna be so excited yeah there there's so many little things like selection sunday yeah i love selection sunday so fun it's over so fast but it's i look forward to it when the brackets actually are released online and you can actually start filling them out so exciting that moment and then when you fill out like 12 and you're like oh wow i filled out 12 brackets in the last two hours and I could still fill out 12 I'm gonna more. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. And then over like the course of the, you know, four or five days before the games begin on Thursday or Friday, you're just like, I don't know. I'm just constantly filling them out. I usually do all of them that I can on ESPN, the 10 or so that you can do on CBS Sports, however many you can do on Yahoo. That's usually about where I stop. Mm-hmm. And then I do one paper bracket with my wife nice so that we can have a little competition yeah at some point you kind of like lose track of where all your brackets are like i i like after the first day or two of the tournament i'm always checking the espn ones i do because i do the same i fill out every possible bracket i can do i think it's like 25 brackets or something and i usually fill out some on other sites like yahoo or cbs or whatever but i just like don't even like usually go check on them (laughs) i'm like well maybe i'll win that billion dollars yeah, some, and I eventually you'll coming. get like an email from CBS Sports that like one of your brackets is in the top ninety percent. You're like, oh, okay, well I'll go take I'll go take a look at that one. Yeah, like what was my login for that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta reset my password. Um, man, there's just the dynamics of of all those brackets. I don't know. It's such a fun thing, in my opinion, to manage. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be watching the game and you'll be like, all right. How did how did this game go yeah. in all twenty five of my brackets? And be like, 
well, I don't know why I did this, but I've got this team winning in 21 of them. Yeah. So, and then that team loses and you're like, oh, well, it's, that's not good. Disheartening. I mean, it's, it's why I pay, it's not, I mean, not single-handedly, but it's a big part of why I pay attention to the whole league for the whole year. And I listen to like college basketball podcasts and stuff because I'm just like, man, it'll be so cool to know all of this and have all this information like in my mind, like when I'm filling out my brackets and when I'm watching the tournament. Yeah, when you're watching like the tournament, you see players on the big stage that yeah, you kind of you saw know. in the regular season. You're familiar with them. You're familiar with their game, how different teams will match up with each other. And you see like dream matchups in the NCAA tournament with like, you know, Duke and Michigan State or Kentucky and Kansas playing each other. You know, those same... They've, they've introduced those type of games into the early season tournaments now, you know, with like the Champions Classic and stuff like that. Uh, that's not what the big one's called, but um, the Aircraft Carrier Championship. And you see those play out, and then even more so, you see the the improbable upsets. Obviously, those are... Those are like the best moments yeah. in sports. It's just when those big upsets happen, and you see just the the big teams go down and they're so like crestfallen and the the little guys are excited like it's just there's nothing like that it's just it blows me away every single year how it happens every year yeah and thank goodness it's never happened to missouri so we don't have to worry about that true man well i feel like we were able to kind of like get our like i think i can move past the fact that the ncaa tournament's not going to happen yeah it's going to be assuming uh we're not extinct like a year from now like it's gonna be really weird or just like way down the line like 20 years from now we're like remember that one year oh yeah when the when march madness just got canceled yeah assuming we're not extinct i like that <laughs> i like that qualifier <laughs> yeah it's gonna be like a a stat forever yeah because this is the first time that there won't be a, an ncaa tournament since the first one in 1939 i believe that's what grief. i saw it's wild uh anything else about like cancellations or anything that we're forgetting um everything everything's everything's canceled canceled. football recruiting is canceled but Drinkwitz still (laughs) gets uh quarterback recruit on board i wouldn't be surprised to see some more commitments in the next in the next few weeks too something to keep an eye on well we i don't know we haven't really talked about what we're going to do podcast wise um it's kind of like the the last game, or the last podcast for real like game content, you know. Yeah. Like I just don't know what the sporting world is going to look like, for, you know, for the next few months. Right now, typically we would have been. Obviously, we'll do a big season recap next week, probably um, for Mizzou's basketball season. Really dive into it. Look at our compare the final result to our preseason expectations. Um, typically, we would have done a, a bracket special. <laughs> obviously, we're not doing that. Um, we may, we'll find another way to give away a t-shirt or something, hopefully. Um, but, uh, we may have to, uh, dip into the reserves of content that we've kind (laughs) of been stockpiling for the less busy seasons. Yeah. Anything you want to, any, anything you want us to talk about, just reach out on Twitter. We'll do our best to discuss it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, before next week, well, next week we'll, we'll most likely do the season recap. Yeah. But here in the next couple of weeks, we'll maybe push that a little bit more on Twitter and try to get some ideas from the, yeah. the listeners. Uh, one news item that we actually didn't talk about at the top of the show was Jonte Porter signed with the Memphis Grizzlies on a multi-year deal. So 
that's fantastic yeah. and kind of out of nowhere i honestly had no idea he was trying to play basketball again yeah i saw uh i saw him on the like little video that they put together for uh reed nico with a lot of former players and stuff kind of like wishing him good luck or whatever and he jonte looks very thin like he looked very in shape and like he had been working out a lot and so hopefully his rehab is coming along nicely i really haven't heard anything about him in a while yeah supposedly according to the reports from the signing uh he's supposed to be ready to go for preseason camp next nba season cool well if he's healthy i think he could definitely be a uh, impactful player I, he's just his game seems tailored towards what the nba is right now yeah memphis is an interesting spot too they've got a lot of up-and-coming stars and uh maybe they're building something kind of nice and he can just kind of fill a role of a rim protector kinda floor like, spacer kind of like mpj's doing right now obviously yeah. uh, denver's a really good team and he kind of just is filling filling in a role right now that uh, a scoring need memphis not necessarily a really good team but could be maybe yeah next few maybe years. on the come up was well, that is that all we have for everybody i think so man hopefully we give you guys some nice uh quarantine content obviously uh not a lot of sports going on not a lot of stuff you're probably doing out of the house right now so baseball season's been the opening yeah. day's been postponed yeah and it'll be interesting to see what happens basically like the first week of april because yeah. all, everything all the cancellations postponements universities you know doing online classes closing campus yeah all of that the first wave of all of that ends at the end of march yeah so kind of that'll reassessed. be the first kind of like deadline to see you know where are we in this process and as quickly as this week happened like the the events that happened like who knows what could happen by april if this if this virus continues to linger or even potentially get worse god forbid um who knows what's going to happen and this week flew by with all the announcements and cancellations and everything i have a feeling the next two weeks are gonna be super slow i just it already feels that way comparatively to what it was earlier just a few days ago you know we're not getting as constant updates there's not as much happening man i was addicted to twitter i was refreshing that literally like every five seconds just looking for the next headline for whatever development had happened yeah jeez i think that's episode 80 in the books yeah i think so too um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod. You can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. Tell your friends. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Instagram. Subscribe everywhere you can. Drew Locke, should everybody subscribe to Missouri Sports Podcast? Oh, he nodded <laughs> yes, everybody. He really <laughs> emphatically just yeah, really shaking his head yes. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert08. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.